My name is Ken, and I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Church, and I'm excited that uh, I get to wrap up our series uh, looking at the story of Christmas um, and the three encounters of the angels uh, appearing in the Christmas story. And so we've titled the series, Don't Be Scared, because each time, the three times that the angels show up, the first uh, words out of their mouth to the people that they're talking to is not to be afraid. I love the Christmas story. Uh, obviously, it's, it's the Christmas season. And one of our traditions at our family is uh, we come downstairs at Christmas morning. Uh, we're in our PJs. And before we do anything, before we open presents or, or start exchanging gifts, we read the Christmas story. And it reminds us of who we're celebrating and what we're, ce- what we're celebrating. And I think part of um, the Christmas story that we're going to be looking at today is really one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story. Now, let me ask you. Um, how many of you love getting good news? Let me see your hands. That should be everybody, okay? If you say, I like bad news, then uh, come see me afterwards. We've got some counseling for you. But for most of us, when we get good news, uh, it's not something that causes us to fear. The story that we're looking at today is found in Luke chapter 2, and the angels appear to the shepherds, and they're fearful at the good news that the shepherd brings to them. And I was trying to think, is there a time in my life where I got good news and it just scared scared me to death? And and I can think of one. I was about 27, 28 years old, uh, and my wife comes to me holding this little stick. (laughs) And on this stick is a little plus sign. And I'm thinking, oh, how cute. No, that's not what I was thinking. The little plus sign, one added to your family, that's so nice. No, it should say, dude, your life is about ready to be messed up. I wasn't ready to be a dad. I mean, I was excited, but I was so scared of becoming a a dad. But it was great news. So I can sort of understand that not all good news, even though it's great news, can be very fearful. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 and uh, the encounter that the shepherds have with the angels. But before we read that, I want to I do a setup to that. So it's still in Luke chapter 2. We're just going to read a, a first couple of verses in Luke chapter 2 for the setup. It says this, uh, At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. It says this, uh, First census was taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem of Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled from the village of Nazareth in Galilee and took Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. I want to stop because this is the Christmas story. You know, if you've seen a nativity scene, this is, this is a story of Christmas. But the reason I want to pause here for a second is because I, I think in verse number four, we skim over that, that David has to go from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, you know, and we just keep moving on in the story. And the reason I want to pause here is because this is the foundation of the Christmas story. And the foundation is this, that God keeps his promises, You see, in the Hebrew Scriptures, all through the Hebrew Scriptures, God says the Messiah is going to come to rescue you from your sins. Even from the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis, when mankind messed up their relationship with God, God says, I promise you one day my son will come and he will set things right. And then all through Scripture, and in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says that that 
The Son of God will be born in Bethlehem. So over and over in the Hebrew Scriptures, in Isaiah, in the Psalms, God is making these promises that the Messiah would come, even giving specific details about his name, where he would be born, and what he'd be doing, and even how he would give his life to pay for our sins. So don't, don't let that part of the Christmas story escape you, because that's a very significant part, because it shows us that God keeps his promises. And that's an important part of the Christmas story. So let's look at the encounter uh, of the angels with the shepherds. Look at verse number 8. It says, that night, the same night that Jesus was being born, there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, uh, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. It says that they were terrified. Now I want to stop there, because again, the shepherds are showing up, and they're going to give this good news. But when the shepherds, or, or I'm sorry, when, the, when the, uh, the angels show up, they're terrified. And I begin to wonder, what, what would cause them to be terrified? What would cause them to have this trepidation, this fear, this anxiety that God is showing up and, and he's showing up to them? What, what are they so afraid of? I think part of their fear was this. They felt like God was out to get them. They felt like God was mad at them and he was, he was showing up, not, not to bring them good news, but to judge them. You say, why do you think that? Let me give you a couple of reasons why. First is because I feel like they felt like God was distant and uninterested in them. From the close of the Hebrew Scriptures until the time that the angels are showing up to these shepherds is 400 years. And theologians tell us in this 400 years that we have no record of God interacting with mankind. Now, he might have, but we just don't have any records. So theologians call this the silent period. And so, growing up, you've heard stories these, these, these shepherds have heard stories about their ancestors who God had shown up and done miraculous things, like, like leading them out of Egypt, and the miraculous signs, and the plagues, and the dividing of the Red Sea, and all these stories where God has interjected himself in their story and has done these wonderful and marvelous things, but not in their lifetime. They've not seen, they've not heard. And I can imagine they're thinking, where is God? What have we done that is so bad that the God that spoke to our ancestors is no longer speaking to us? The God of our ancestors that showed up and delivered them and helped them out of situations is no longer interested in my situation. Do you see this? Because maybe you've experienced that. There's a situation in your life and you're wondering, where's God? They felt like God had abandoned them. And on top of that, they're shepherds. This is not a career choice that anyone would want for their child. Parents didn't go to their young, young, young boy and say, you know what, I hope someday you become a shepherd. It was a lowly job, really one for a servant. It was one of those temp jobs that became their permanent job. And maybe you find yourself in that situation. The path that you thought your life would go has taken a turn. And like the shepherds, you're wondering, where is God? Maybe they were mad at God for him being silent, for their life not going the way that they wanted it to go. Maybe you can identify. Maybe you feel like God doesn't love you. 
Maybe you feel like his silence in your life is that he's uninterested in what you're going through. Maybe you feel like he just doesn't care. Maybe you are mad at God because you grew up without a dad or a mom. Because you struggle with an addiction that you just can't overcome. And if God loved you, he would help you. And it doesn't seem like he's helping you. The relationships that you're in just seem to be dysfunctional and dysfunctional. And you're like, where is God? Maybe you've lost your job. You got some news from the doctor that wasn't good. And you're wondering, where is God? Then I'm glad you're here today. Because I believe the story of Christmas, particularly the shepherd's, part of the story will speak to you. See, this is why I love this part of the story, because I believe we've all had this fear that God is uninterested and that maybe even is the cause of the hardships in our lives. And so we get mad at God. I think another reason why they felt like God was out to get them is because they felt guilty and rejected. They felt guilty because as shepherds, they weren't able to go into temple and and be a part of, of the ceremonies because They were shepherds, and they had to tend their sheep outside, make sure they had water and food. And and so they they didn't have this regular job where they could nine to five and go to temple and worship God and offer the sacrifices, which is what their religious system required of them at the time. And so they felt guilty because they couldn't do that. And because they couldn't do that, now their religious system no longer allowed them to do that because now they're ceremonially unclean. And now there's another whole process that they have to go through to be made right so they can go into the temple and offer sacrifices. Their religious system wasn't working for them. And so they felt guilty about that. Their situation, their shame, it just kept piling on and piling on and piling on. And to make matters worse, the religious people, because now they're unclean, they're not going to temple, they reject them. They look down on them. They put them in the same category as a hooker or someone with leprosy. In their minds, they might as well have just been a Gentile or a heathen because their religious system was not working for them. So I want you to put yourself in their shoes. You haven't been to church in years. You don't pray to God anymore. You don't read his word. You haven't been to confessional. And then all of a sudden, God sends an angel to you in your bedroom. Do you think this is going to go well? Do you think he's there to say, hey, good news? Or do you think God's going to lay a smack down on you? That's how we feel. Because we feel like he's not interested in our lives. Because he's not changed things in our lives. And that's what the shepherds were thinking. That God is now showing up in history to make us feel even worse about ourselves to pour more shame on the shame that we already feel because we're not good people. We're not going to temple. We're not doing the things that make us good people. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe you look at all the other people in in, in this service and you're like, these are good people. I'm sure they read their Bible and they probably come all the time. And I'm not a religious person. So God loves them because they keep all the rules, but he can't love me because I don't keep the rules. I try, and I'm good for a while, but it just doesn't work for me. So there's no way that God could love me. And I want you to know that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. You say, how do you know this? 
How do you know that God does love me? Because he includes, includes the shepherds in the Christmas story. Let's look. So they're fearful. The angels show up and they're fearful until the angels present the news about Christ. Look at verse number 10. It says, but the angels assured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, is being born in Bethlehem today, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a babe wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Then suddenly the angels were joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Now that would scare you. Saying, praise God, glory to God, uh, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. So now the angels show up, and there's fear in, in the hearts of the shepherds, and then the angels say, no, 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 don't be scared. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to lay a smack down on you. We have good news. And this news is that the Messiah, the Savior, is being born right in Bethlehem, just right there. And you can go and you can see this. The most important event in history is taking place, and God is including the very ones that think that God could never love me, that God is not interested in what I'm going through, that God hates me. And the reason that he's including the shepherds in this story, I believe, is so that we know that the shame that we feel because we don't feel like we measure up to who's ever standards, that God loves you. That the relapse after relapse after relapse doesn't stop God from loving you. That relationship after relationship after relationship, God still loves you. That no matter where you find yourself today, God doesn't hate you. He loves you. Say, how do you know that? How can you say that? Because he includes the shepherds in the Christmas story. And I know that he's a promise keeper. That's how I know. He says, this is good news, that the Savior's being born. God's not sending a judge. God's not sending a soldier. He's sending a Savior. And this brings joy. So your feelings of being disconnected, your feelings of God being distant, your feelings of shame and guilt, yes, that all leads to fear. But God overcomes our fear by his love and replaces our fear with joy. As a matter of fact, God doesn't want you to fear him. He wants you to know that he loves you. As a matter of fact, in, in the scriptures, there's 365 times where God sends a message that says, do not fear. I think it's ironic that that's one for every day of the year that you can find that God says, don't be afraid. I'm for you. Don't be afraid. I love you. Don't be afraid. I care about what you're going through. This is the good news. This is the message that brings great joy. And he says, look who it's for. He says it's for all people. It's for anyone. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 20 through 22. He says, but God has shown us a way to be made right 
without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Again, God keeping his promise because he's a promise keeper. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. This is how you are made right with God. It's not checking a box and and trying to be religious. Religion doesn't work. Religion shows us our guilt. It shows us that we fall short. What God has done is he's shown up in human history so that you can have a relationship with him. Because he loves you. He doesn't hate you. He's for you. He's not against you. You say, well, you know, I've, I understand the Christmas story. I understand that Jesus showed up in human history. But that's not been my experience that God is for me. Because I still find myself unemployed. I still, I still find myself alone. I still find myself having this cancer. I still find myself in this situation. So how can the Christmas story be true? And I would say, you're not looking for a savior. You're looking for Santa Claus. You're looking for someone that will change your environment and change your situation to give you what you want. And I'm telling you, that's not why God came, to change your situation and make your life more comfortable. He came to change your heart, not your situation. You see, God wants to give you a heart of gratitude, which changes your grumpy attitude. Let me say that again. God wants to give you a heart of gratitude that will change your grumpy attitude. So we want Santa Claus. We don't want a Savior. We want someone to change our situation, but we don't want someone changing our heart. See, you will not find peace on earth until you have peace with God. And that only comes through the Prince of Peace, which is Jesus Christ. That's what the Christmas story is about. You don't have to fear God. Growing up, I worked for my dad. He owned his own business. And we would break for lunch, not because it was lunchtime, but because it was my dad's favorite program that was on the radio. And so we would listen every day to this guy. And if you're my age or a little bit older, as soon as you hear this warm, welcoming voice, you're going to know exactly who it is. But he shares this story. It's a a modern-day parable of the Christmas story the most important story in the human history that is the pivotal point in human history. And I believe if you will receive this story, it it can be the pivotal point in your story. Take a look. The Christmas story, the way it's usually told, the God born a man in a manger and all of that, escapes some moderns, mostly, I think, because they see complex answers to their questions, and this one is so utterly simple. So for the cynics and the skeptics and the unconvinced, I'd like to submit this modern parable. The man I'm talking about was not a Scrooge now. He was a kind, a decent, a mostly good man, generous to his family and upright in his dealings with other men, but he just did not believe in all of that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just did not make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He could not swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. He told his wife, I'm truly sorry to distress you, but I'm just not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay home, but that he would wait up for them. 
So he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Now, shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier. Then he went back to his fireside chair, began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, then yet another. At first, he thought somebody must be throwing snowballs against the living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled out there miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm in a desperate search for shelter. They had tried to fly through his large landscape window. That was what had been making the sound. Well, he couldn't let those poor creatures just lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter. All he would have to do is direct the birds into that shelter. Quickly, he put on a coat and galoshes, and he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn, and he opened the doors wide. And inside the barn, he turned on a light so the birds would know the way in. But the birds did not come in. So he figured that food would entice them. He went back into the house and fetched some breadcrumbs and sprinkled those on the snow, making a trail of breadcrumbs to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. The birds just continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He could not. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms, but instead they scattered in every direction, every direction except into the warm-lighted barn. And that's when he realized that they were afraid of him. They were afraid of him. To him, he reasoned, I'm a strange, terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them but to help them, but how? Any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. And he thought to himself, if only I could be a bird now, if I could be a bird and mingle with them and speak their language and tell them not to be afraid, then I could show them the way to the safe warm barn but I would have to be one of them wouldn't I so they could see and hear and understand at that moment the church bells began to ring the sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there listening to the bells. Adeste Fidelis. Listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Paul Harvey, I hope for you 
and those you love. This will be a wonderfully Merry Christmas. That's the Christmas story. You don't have to be afraid of God because he did show up in human history to speak your language, to experience your pain so that he can rescue you from the sin that separates you from him. That's our disobedience towards him and our selfishness towards others. That's why he came. And you can experience peace with God and peace on earth. And it's found through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Can I ask you to bow your heads with me? Maybe you're here today and you identify with the shepherds. Life has not turned out the way you thought it would be. You thought checking the religious boxes would make you right with God and make you feel better about yourself, and it has not. It's only added guilt to your life because you've not been able to do that perfectly. I want you to know that's why God showed up in human history. Religion is going to fail you, but God never will. You say, how do you know that? Because God is a promise keeper and because of the Christmas story. So maybe for you today, you have to realize that that God showed up in human history so that you can have a relationship with him. And being made right with God is not found in you keeping a set of rules. It's in you opening your heart to the one who saves, the one who rescues. And by simply turning from your sin, calling out on him, and asking for forgiveness, the Bible says he will rescue you. It's for anyone who's willing to open their heart to the Christmas story. Maybe you're here and you're like, I've done that. But again, I've been looking for a Santa Claus. I've not been looking for a Savior. Maybe you need to recognize God's not here. To, he, he cares about your situation. It's not that he's indifferent to your situation, but he's more concerned about your heart and your attitude than he is your situation. And so maybe you need to simply say, God, I'm sorry that I've been treating you like a Santa Claus. And I recognize that you're more interested in changing my heart in my attitude in this situation than maybe changing my situation. Whatever it is, I pray that you'll you understand what God's doing in your heart and you'll make that adjustment. God, I'm thankful for the Christmas story. It's the introduction of Jesus Christ into mankind to rescue us from our sins. The thing that separates us from you. God, religion can't do that. It only adds to our guilt and our shame. Peace with you is only found through the Prince of Peace. And so I pray today, there's someone here that finds themselves afraid and distant, that they simply would call on you, ask for forgiveness of their sin, and turn to you for rescuing. God, for us that have tried to check the boxes and, and, and tried to have made ourselves uh, lovely to you, God, that we'd recognize that you love us. There's nothing that will separate us from your love. But God, you're more interested in our heart than you are our situation. And that, God, if you have our heart, whether our situation ever changes, God, we still can have peace on earth. God, the situation for the shepherds never changed. They went back to being shepherds, but they were able in their situation to praise you. And God, that is my prayer for us today, that as we find ourselves in whatever situation we find ourselves in, that we're able to worship you and praise you because Jesus Christ showed up. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.